Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary practice issues. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP, and its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. Hi, this is Daniel Koba, the Editor-in-Chief of AJHP. Thanks for joining us for this episode of AJHP Voices. This podcast engages authors from recent AJHP publications who will give us an inside look at their work and explore the impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes. Today, we'll be discussing the ASHP standard for certification as a center of excellence in medication use safety and pharmacy practice, which was recently published on AJHP.org. Our guests are Douglas Shekelhoff, Senior Vice President of ASHP's Office of Practice Advancement, Lene Mahaney, Senior Director of Pharmacy Accreditation in ASHP's Office of Practice Advancement, and finally, Dr. Charles Daniels, Chief Pharmacy Officer and Associate Dean, UC San Diego Health. Chuck, Doug, Lene, welcome. It's so good to talk with you this morning. Doug, I want to start off with you and a really basic question. What does it mean to be an ASHP Certified Center of Excellence? Well, it's really a recognition that a health system has met a very high standard for pharmacy systems, for pharmacy practice, and medication use safety. So they really are a center of excellence. The certification is based on a review of services and systems based on that high standard, and it's somewhat similar to accreditation. Starts with an application, there's a a submission of key documents, there's an on-site survey, and if the standard is met, they're certified and uh, recognized as a center of excellence. Can you talk about ASHP's decision to establish a center of excellence certification? A big part of it was a call from members, and the idea of having some type of a recognition program like this is something that's been talked about for a long time. I think that many people saw a similar program around magnet recognition that nursing established a number of years ago and some of the benefits that came from that for the nursing profession and staffing levels and many things that came from that. I think it really gave the idea that Perhaps there should be something like that that focuses on the pharmacy and pharmacy services, pharmacy practice, but also on the medication use system and medication safety. I think at the same time, people have thought whatever that that recognition is, we want it to be a bit less onerous and less costly than what some have described the, the magnet recognition program being. And I think that our goal in having a program that is a bit less onerous to have it be more widely accepted and a higher percentage of hospitals that ultimately seek this going forward. I think, you know, ASHP has uh, over 60 years of experience with accreditation and with establishing best practices and practice standards. And so developing a, a certification program like this that recognizes organizations through a comprehensive, rigorous, standards-based process was really a, a very logical next step. So, Lene, the standard has three areas of focus. Can you walk us through those? Sure, I'd be happy to do that. I think the uh, three areas are pretty logical. The first is 
how the pharmacy department is placed within the health system. So this includes the relationships that the pharmacy has established within the organization and the integration of the pharmacy services actually throughout the organization. The other major emphasis here is the involvement of pharmacy in team-based care. And again, you'll hear this organization-wide. How does the pharmacy service fit? The second area of focus is the pharmacy department and its services itself. I think, again, these will be very familiar. The pharmacy department's leadership and management, their patient care services and operations, the pharmacy quality and performance improvement efforts, very important, financial management of the pharmacy, then education, training, and research, and of course, and not least, the pharmacy staff members. And then the third area of focus, um, which is actually included in the title of certificate, is the health system processes that support safe medication use and pharmacy practice. And this includes medication use and safety, but also the information and medication use technology and automation and related technology, all keys to safe medication practice. And just restating what Doug said, the standard is very comprehensive. So Chuck, what were the drivers for UC San Diego Health to pursue recognition as an ASHP certified center of excellence? Thank you, Dan. We've, as Doug mentioned, been talking about a program like this for 30 years, one that sets a high standard, considers excellence in multiple areas, uh, including patient care, financial performance, quality, med safety, down the list, as Lene has mentioned. So we have a long history of innovation at UCSD. The ADC concept was really first fully deployed here under one of my predecessors, Director Patricia Lee, who used a local company and went on to really create the market. UCSD was part of the implementation of West Coast Clinical Pharmacy in the early 70s. And with that in mind, I looked at the standard. I would, you know, I it was very interesting and intriguing. I looked at the standard. We discussed it with our team and our UCSD competitive nature asked, why not go first? So we decided to take an early run at it. And, you know, I think that was really represents the drivers for us of trying to make sure that we recognized what I saw as a strong program. And so therefore we moved that direction. You talked about going down the list and identified some of the areas, but and Lene certainly provided a comprehensive list of areas of focus. But as you and your team prepared for the process, uh, along with being comprehensive, were there aspects of the UC San Diego health medication use process that for you and your team members were especially important to highlight? Yeah, I think there are plenty of areas that I thought we wanted to make sure we shared with the survey team, but three sort of overarching concepts that were really important for us to share because they've been important for us as we've tried to move our pharmacy program. One of them is the multidisciplinary care, collaborative practice, both inpatient as well as ambulatory and all of our partners that allow pharmacy to be able to make uh, maximum contributions. I felt like we had a wide scope of pharmacy services, and I wanted to make sure that we're able to uh, to highlight that in the survey process. And 
really importantly, and is that uh, I wanted to share continuing innovation to meet patient needs. And that was fairly important as I looked at the uh, at how we, the things that we wanted to make sure were in our submission. You talk about a wide scope. Talk more about that in terms of the wide scope of practices. Well, the intent of, I think, all of the pharmacy departments that I know of is to make sure that the needs of the organization, and we have a pretty broad organization. We have an ambulatory primary care, specialty ambulatory care, all kinds of acute care, critical care, trauma, and transplant. And so as we've looked at the broad scope over the last many years, we've worked to try and make sure that with the central focus being how do we serve our patients, we looked at ways that the organization's intentions and uh, priorities and and excellence uh, that they uh, were after were important and that we were able to build out. So we built out specialty pharmacy when it was obvious that that was going to be important for us to be able to serve our patients on an ongoing basis. We built out uh, programs that support physicians through uh, uh, refill medication refill clinics and prior authorization support for primary care and others in the ambulatory side. So as we've looked across there, we've tried to figure out how all of the tools that we know of in pharmacy, I think everybody on the that's listening to this will have a in their mind a list of things that we can do as pharmacists. And so we tried to fit them to the needs of our patients and the organization on a whole. As you talk about meeting the needs of your patients and your organization, how has the Center for Excellence designation been received within UC San Diego Health? What's the reaction been? It's been great. I have to be honest with you. The main reason I wanted to pursue this was as a recognition for a full department that has cre- has been innovative and creative for a long, long time. And uh, this felt like a way to be able to recognize that. The organization has been very interested in uh, safety and quality. In the last uh, five years, we have a focus on safety and reliability, and these are things that fit in well. The standard itself was important for us in pharmacy, but it also very well aligned with the organization's interest in safe, reliable care for our patients. I was fairly certain that our leaders would support our quest for this uh, recognition, but before I applied, I did make sure I reviewed the standard with them and and had a few questions that I think we were able to uh, support over time. And you know, following the recognition, the receipt of the certification, the system has been outstandingly supportive. We've gotten physicians, nurses, administrators, and other people around the organization that, first of all, were full of congratulations for the pharmacy department in this one. And along with that, they've worked through the, I'll call it the media tools that we have available, our works on social media and things like that to make sure that uh, not only did we know about it, but our patients knew about it. It was the designation was immediately put on our patient facing page, which includes all of our recognitions that we have from Joint Commission and LeapFrog and uh, all of the resources, or I should say all of the 
centers, the outside agencies that have created these excellence programs. And so we were very excited that it was important enough to the organization to make it something big for them also. It may be a bit soon, but have you started to hear from patients yet? I haven't. I don't see patients every day in my current role. That's a good question. And we'll pursue that one and find out if uh, patients have begun to ask the questions or thank our pharmacists that they're working with on a regular basis. So Chuck, I have to go to some history here. I'm a bit of a history buff myself. And you know, first, for our, especially for our new practitioner listeners, uh, Patricia Lee, who you mentioned, passed away recently, and there was an obituary for her written by Max Ray, actually, in HHP, and it talked about that uh, her early contributions with automated dispensing cabinets and, and really spoke to some of that work that, that you mentioned. And I'm also interested, again, thinking about those new practitioner listeners, Tell us more about the West Coast Clinical Pharmacy Project from the the 1970s. Sure. So I think many, but not all, will remember the concept that that came out of UCSF, and it was originally called their Ninth Floor Project. But the idea of a pharmacy practice model and the training that goes with that around a patient-centered clinical role, I'll uh, compare that or contrast that to a historically more product-oriented role became really a, an important change in what we've done. And many people became enamored of the idea of pharmacists being able to utilize their clinical knowledge to be able to improve patient care. And so as part of that, several of the universities, the schools of pharmacy in California began this process. Now, we were fortunate here at San Diego to be one of the satellite sites for clinical pharmacy training as they as they championed this concept. And so here at UC San Diego, we've had clinical pharmacists operating with strong support from the medical staff ever since the 70s as that program started to flow out of out of UC San Francisco through University of Southern California into the rest of the pharmacy schools over time. And what an appropriate culmination then to that history and that support from the medical staff. I'd again for especially for all of our listeners, but especially those new practitioners who listen, I would remind them that we actually published a summary, Bill Smith and Rich DeLeon and others who were there on the ground in the 1960s when the Ninth Floor Project began. Back in 2015, we published an HHP perspective on that, a historical perspective on that early work. So, Lene, you get to oversee the application process. Can you tell us more about it? Can you describe it? Sure, Dan. And if it's all right, maybe I'll just run through the process for certification as a whole, with the application being that first step. The application process is what I term onboarding, and it includes all that paperwork required to get us started. So we have a letter of agreement, which defines the responsibilities of both ASHP, but also the applicant hospital pharmacy. And then there's a BAA or business associate agreement. And we need this because our surveyors will be viewing confidential information. So that's an important document to have in place and agreed upon. 
And then, of course, there is the application. And this is basically um, brief demographics about the organization. And it does require a signature of the pharmacy director, or chief VP of pharmacy, and a member of the C-suite. And then finally, there's an invoice and payment for services. So once we get all that paperwork done, the second step and the step that requires the most time is this document review and preparation of documents that Chuck mentioned. We provide the applicant with a list of every individual standard element and how it will be evaluated. So meaning, is it going to be evaluated by either review of a document or review while on survey? Or in some cases, both of those are required. So this document checklist must be completed by the applicant and then uploaded along with all the supporting documents. We have secure OneDrive folders that we use the surveyors review this documentation and provide a written report and discuss that report with the applicant. Now, what's the purpose of all of that? The surveyors are verifying that the applicant is ready for survey and that on paper, they meet the standard element requirements. So once that is all completed, we move on to the on-site survey. And this can occur over three to five days, and it really depends on the size of the organization, the number of hospitals, and the number of ambulatory care sites, et cetera. But this is part where the surveyors want to see what the pharmacy staff do and talk with their colleagues throughout the hospital. We don't wanna look at paper at this point. We wanna see and understand what goes on. The surveyors prepare a good itinerary in advance, and the site works with the surveyors to agree upon that, that itinerary. End of the survey, just like the document review, the surveyors are going to prepare a report and provide that to the applicant. And then what we ask is that the applicant provides a response in that report to any partially or non-compliant standard elements. And ultimately, they will move that report to the Pharmacy Practice Accreditation Commission, which also reviews certifications. They make a recommendation to the ASHP Board of Directors who grants the certification. All in all, this can take about nine months. So, Lene, how long is the actual on-site survey process out of that nine months? How, how long are the surveyors there? Three days at a minimum and five, like UCSD was a five practically full days. They have a very large campus, multiple hospitals, multiple pharmacies. If we do, say, more than the size of Chuck's place, we could be there even longer than five days if we have to travel to additional off-site hospitals. So it's truly a truly comprehensive survey then. What types of individuals serve as surveyors for the process? Oh, I'm glad you asked this question. You're looking at one of them upcoming on the screen. Dr. Daniels will be one of our surveyors. We're always looking for pharmacists who have a vast experience and also have had some experience with accreditation or certification surveying. The purpose of the certification 
is really to help continue the advancement of practice by that organization. So we need surveyors with a lot of experience that can help propel that organization forward throughout the term of the certification. It's not a one and done. And you had mentioned, you know, wanting to be there to talk to the pharmacist. At this point, you're moving beyond paper. You want to talk to the pharmacist. Are there others you're talking to in the organization at the same time? Oh, absolutely. We start with the C-suite and introduce ourselves, describe our purpose so that they can understand directly from us why, why we're there. And we actually end with them at the end of the survey. But we will talk to nurses, physicians, any members of the healthcare team that are part of specific standard element. We've talked to service staff because they're involved with how the place looks. And we really want it to be, again, I keep using the same word, but comprehensive discussion throughout the organization. So, Doug, is there specific guidance that you would give organizations that are considering going through the process as they begin to prepare themselves for the comprehensive process that Lene just described? Well, I think, Dan, really the best starting place is really to reach out and make contact with ASHP. And we get a number of calls from people who are asking about the process or how do I get started or how do I know if I'm ready? And those calls generally come in to Lene, and she's able to point them to resources, how to assess where they are, and really help them determine you know, when they're going to be ready and, and what their next steps might be. So my advice is to reach out, ask questions. It's no obligation. It's, it's really a way to get some basic information and to, to figure out sort of where things stand for your site. And I think one of the other points that I would like to make is that University of California, San Diego is a larger system. This standard is not not only going to be at large hospitals and large academic health centers. It it really is designed around the pharmacy service, and it's very applicable to community hospitals, to smaller hospitals. And so don't shy away from inquiring and asking for more information if you're at a community hospital or perhaps a, a smaller hospital. It is absolutely intended to be designed so that it can evaluate and recognize pharmacy services at all those types of facilities. Lene, what would you add to that? A couple of things. First, that we do have a number of informational documents to help the applicant through the process. Chuck didn't necessarily have all of those informational documents um, since he was the first one, but we've learned how do we help our pharmacy services figure out how to move through this. So when I talk to an interested hospital pharmacy, I will send them these additional documents, not just the standard. Preparation is key to successful certification. Doing homework, even before you apply, may be something the the organization may want to think about. If they, they know they don't have certain documents put together or data needs to be assembled, that may be something they could do in advance, but they don't have to. It can be done during the process as well. The third thing I would say is I have seen in the small number that we've had so far, the organizations are putting together a pharmacy team to help the whole service prepare the documents, but also prepare all the staff members 
for the certification to be successful and have a team leader. That is very key. One last thing I'd like to point out and alluded to just a a little bit before is that we can certify a full system, multiple hospitals, or that one community hospital pharmacy as well. The, The standard is designed to meet all different sizes. We just adjust the process as needed for um, the the size of the organization. Chuck, from your perch, someone who's gone through this process um, from A through Z, what advice would you offer to your colleagues who are planning to apply for Center of Excellence designation? Thanks for asking that question. And I was just reflecting on Lene's comments about a team leader. I think at For our organization, and I think it's going to be true for a lot of places, that the chief pharmacy officer or somebody at the director level really needs to lead the effort. It's really complicated. It needs somebody that understands all the elements of the the department. And so I think delegating or assigning leadership to somebody who might have an interest and a little extra time on their hands has some limitations. Second point is I think you need to give yourself and your department enough time to organize your submission. As Lene mentioned, it's a complicated process. There are really a lot of different asks in the thing. There there are a lot of opportunities for all size hospitals, but there are a lot of asks. And so those people that have said, well, you know, isn't this just like uh, the review that you get when you're on accreditation? I've done a lot of accreditation, residency accreditation surveys at my shop, and this is much more intense. And I think it should be given the, the objective. Clearly involve the people who know the most about the topics. And that's sort of the link between what the assigned leader of the project is, whether it's the director of the department or someone else, but it needs to be somebody that can then pick out individuals to fill out the individual parts of the submission. I think just the the point that Lene made or and Doug made that regardless of the size of your organization, the standard can fit, but it still is requires energy. So small hospital large hospital, anywhere in between, need to understand that, you know, that uh, if they go into this one, give yourself enough time, don't expect to do it in a week, and uh, make sure that you're given the opportunity for everybody in your team to participate, because they're certainly going to participate in the accreditation visit itself. What was UC San Diego Health's lead-up time? How long did you uh, spend preparing? Well, Roughly, we started working on the concept about five months in advance, but it got very intense the two months prior to submission. So that would have been almost three months into our preparation. We had all the documents that we needed put together, and we tried to make sure that they all that it told a story. And I think that's kind of the importance of giving yourself enough time because you can throw material into the document submission, but you really want the uh, documents that you're including uh, to tell the story about why your organization is, uh, you know, in quest of excellence. So is there even further coordination of timing in terms of trying to do this in a way to 
avoid other extremely busy times of the year, if it's the beginning of the, the residency year or if it's the beginning of the academic year or if you know that you're going to have an accreditation visit during some window during that year, do, do all those things come into consideration as you sort of lay out your timeline? Well, I'd be anxious to hear what Lene or Doug have to say about those. And for us, it didn't directly come into play because we had enough different people involved in putting the documents together and the submission packet. And so, yes, it did for us overlap the beginning of the residency year. And that had a little bit to do with it, but we had people that were not exclusively focused on the residency, the start of the residency year to be able to work on the packet. And it's because I think most organizations, most systems that choose to pursue this attempt to be ready for you know external review at any point in time. The materials were mostly available. It was more a matter of making sure that we had everything aligned correctly with the request for the standard. So yes, it's work and yes, it would impact uh, the beginning of the resident year or the end of the fiscal year. But uh, I think places that really wish to pursue this will have pretty good success regardless. And so I wouldn't necessarily say don't plan it to overlap uh, a particular highlight of uh, of your existing year, plan it. And then, you know, when it comes to scheduling a survey time, that would be something to discuss with Lene. Lene, what would you add to that? Do you agree? I agree fully. Chuck, you really covered that. Fiscal year, the beginning of your second year residence, that those are reasons or timing that I've heard, but it does take an all-out effort. So the the team as a whole has to be ready. But there are a few of those aspects, um, like having a second year HPSL resident that's got some time, but may not be your team leader. Chuck, before we talked about how the recognition has been received at UC San Diego Health by the community there, but Lene, you know, made the point that this is about the advancement of practice. She said it's not a one and done. So I'm wondering, how's the designation going to influence the pharmacy enterprise at UC San Diego Health as you move forward? I'm excited to talk about that one. And I mentioned earlier that part of our effort to seek this recognition was as a tribute to our staff and to make sure that uh, they got the opportunity to be recognized for their hard work. So the entire department was excited about it. So we've done a couple of things that I think are that are important and I would encourage everyone to do. So we're taking this month to celebrate as a pharmacy team prolonged work through the COVID-19 pandemic and an even longer run up to create the amazing culture that we have here. And I think that is, I'll call it our March-April plan. But on the long run, we have even more reason through the recognition as a center of excellence to complete our strategic initiative. The uh, team will be back or another survey will occur in three years, and it goes by fast as those of us that have been involved in either joint commission or residency accreditation, three years goes by very quickly. And so for us, it's a reminder it's an accolade for our progress so far, but it's a reminder that this isn't a one and done. And as pointed out, we'll 
be expected to demonstrate our excellence uh, the next time the survey team is out. Lene made the point earlier just how big the pharmacy enterprise at UC San Diego Health is. And after receiving this recognition, how were you able to make sure that staff across the organization were were able to fully appreciate it and have a chance to be recognized for their contributions? So Lene asked me after she had called to tell me about the board's actions and asked how many certificates I would like to have. And I really told her at that point in time, after thinking about it for like just a second, that I'd like to have 12 copies of the certificate because I wanted to have one for each of our pharmacy sites so that everybody could participate in the celebration. And uh, so last week we had the opportunity to deliver those certificates to all of our sites and uh, they're not all walking distance. So it was a, it was complex, but we did get to all the sites and took pictures and it was really fun to see two things. One of our pharmacies, the, after we put the award, took some pictures, the staff came by and they padded the certificate. Like that was their part ownership in the process. So that was kind of fun, a little bit like you'd see maybe after uh, people that want to hold the Super Bowl trophy or something. And in another site, after we, in one of our discharge pharmacies, after we presented, took the pictures, we asked where they'd like to get it uh, mounted. And they all wanted it to be out in the patient waiting area so the patients could see this recognition. So it was really fun. And it gave us the realization that the staff was fully behind this. And that was, they felt comfortable that it was their award and they wanted part of the, uh, the fun. That's just great to hear the way staff have been engaged. Thanks. So, Doug, what are the next steps with the ASHP Certified Center of Excellence? Where does ASHP go from here with the program? As we've mentioned earlier in this podcast, it's early on in the in the Center of Excellence uh, existence. And so we University of California, San Diego Health was our first certified site. We'll have additional sites that will be recognized this year and that are some that have been surveyed and others that are in process. And so it'll continue to grow. We do have a lot of interest and a lot of inquiries. You know, frankly, I think COVID has probably slowed people down a bit because it's been very consuming. You know, hopefully that is going to improve here in the in the coming weeks and months. And so we do expect it to grow quite a bit. And in addition to being able to recognize those centers that are centers of excellence, I think that the standard itself and the process will also set a bar that will help sites that perhaps have gaps to close. Maybe they have systems to improve on. Uh, their practice model you know, might, might benefit from some assessment. And I think it'll help sites that need to further advance their practice and their pharmacy services get to where they need to be. You know, to that end, we're developing things like uh, self-assessment tools and ways that people can determine where they stand as compared to the standard itself and really trying to move that along. You know, one of the things that was mentioned, I think a couple times was how this interplays with residency training or not. I will say that there's not really a linkage to residency accreditation directly. So if a site has a residency program, and I think many that apply for this will have residency training programs, many hospitals do, 
that's great, but it's not a requirement. They don't, the, the site does not need to have a residency program necessarily. And I think how the standards, you know, this standard is a bit more comprehensive. It's a bit broader than the residency standard itself. And so we'll work with the site in terms of how those two interplay, but you know, one doesn't replace the other. You don't get this automatically because you have a, an accredited residency or vice versa. You don't get to skip your residency accreditation because it's really looking at, at different things. So I, I just wanted to make, make that point. And you know, I think Chuck's Hospital has been a great example of how a site can really benefit from this recognition, both internally with their staff and the pride that they take in their department and knowing that they are practicing and working at a very top-notch uh, best practice pharmacy department, but also the external recognition and the benefits that come from that. And even in recruiting and, and being able to, to have that external recognition with patients, with, with other providers and so forth, I think there's just so many benefits that'll come to an individual department. So it is, it is some work to put it all together and to go through the process, but the benefits I think will easily outweigh the effort that goes into it. So it sounds like this is one of those situations where rising tides can lift many boats and the the establishment of this program really does have the potential, if I heard you correctly, Doug, to further drive practice advancement across the country. Absolutely. We've had for a number of years the pharmacy practice model initiative and now the practice advancement initiative. And those are very aspirational goals and have contributed greatly to advancing practice. But this standard is a little bit different. It is designed to be very comprehensive. And so, you know, this coupled with the practice advancement really can help people identify their aspirational goals and what they should be striving to achieve. And really, it should serve as, as a bit of a roadmap as they are developing services, you know, seeking additional resources in some cases, and really trying to provide the safest, most effective use of medications for patients uh, within their hospital. And with that, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Dr. Charles Daniels, Douglas Shekelhoff, and Lene Mahaney for joining us to discuss the ASHP standard for certification as a center of excellence in medication use safety and pharmacy practice, which was recently published on AJHP.org. Please join us here each month for discussions on contemporary practice issues and interviews with AJHP authors. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your colleagues, family, friends, and via your social media of choice. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to AJHP Voices. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit AJHP.org.